I'll be reading from 1 Samuel 5, 1-7 through 7 this morning. After the Philistines had captured the Ark of God, they took it from Ebenezer to Ashton. Then they carried the Ark into Dagon's temple and set it beside Dagon. When the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the Ark of the Lord. They took Dagon and put him back in his place. But the following morning, when they rose, there was Dagon, fallen on his face, on the ground, before the ark of the Lord. His head and hands had been broken off and were lying on the threshold. Only his body remained. That is why to this day neither the priests of Dagon nor any others who entered Dagon's temple at Ashdod step on the threshold. The Lord's hand was heavy upon the people of Ashdod and its vicinity. He brought devastation upon them and afflicted them with tumors. When the men of Ashdod saw what was happening, they said, The ark of the God of Israel must not stay here with us, because his hand is heavy upon us and upon Dagon our God. Thank you, brother. Good morning. I'm always amazed at at God's work around the world, in our midst, uh, that he continues to put his powerful hand and pour out his amazing love and grace all around the world. As we listen to Nicola share about the the training up of pastors and and sending out training so that they could help bring the good news of Jesus Christ to another generation in all these places around the world. I love that. I'm tightly connected with the Ministry of Young Life and what's been going on over in the former Soviet Union. Kina's parents, Tom and Donna, are very involved in that. And actually right now this morning they're over there. Uh, They're in Armenia uh, this morning. And they continue to minister uh, with Young Life to different places in the former Soviet Union. I love the journey of what took place where Gary Parsons and his family took an incredible step of faith over 10 years ago to to go and to to bring the family into Moscow and to place their family right in the middle of a place that that was dark spiritually and not an easy place to live. Showed up there going, God, we hear you. Your powerful hand is upon us. We're here. What in the heck are you doing here? And how are you going to work this all out? Nobody seems interested. How is this going to play out, God? I don't understand your work. But you see, God's powerful hand was on the leaders, the government leaders in Moscow. Gary befriended these leaders. And next thing you know, the leaders, the government leaders of Moscow and Russia are saying, you know what? We're seeing that God is doing something, that your, your ministry, this Young Life ministry, is doing something that's affecting our kids. And so we want to give you uh, some buildings so that you can actually have kids and do your clubs that you're doing. As though we forgot that Romans remind us that all these leaders are God's leaders. There's none in place that are not from Him. And so they began their ministry and they started to train up young, young leaders in Russia and they got excited and fell in love with Jesus Christ and accepted Christ. Next thing you know, those, those new converts 
started to say, where is God taking us? His powerful hand is going ahead of us. And they started to minister all over the place. We just sent a team out to the Ukraine to go minister there to those leaders and to come and to to work on this beautiful building because it's a building that is an open door. All the time, students are coming in, students who are lost, students who don't know what love is all about. And these leaders are ministering to them. God's powerful hand is at work. One of the things that I heard in Tom and Donna's report just the other day on email is they're in Armenia... And several years ago, they started, Young Life started doing work in Armenia, and many, many students came to Christ, and leaders were developed, and there were some that were already there that were, that were followers of Jesus, but it just continued to expand. And here's how God's powerful hand came upon them. There is right next to Armenia, Georgia. And Georgia and Armenia have always had tense relationships. Sometimes it would be said that they're enemies. But God was breaking through into the hearts of these new believers and saying, we want you to minister to those in Georgia to bring the love of God in the middle of that. And so Tom and Donna, just with their Armenian friends, went over and went into Georgia this last week to see all that God had been doing in the hearts of students in Georgia as relationships are being built as God is breaking down the walls that barricade them from one another and they're loving each other. And now all of a sudden, God's good news in a relationship that was torn and broken is starting to be poured out. God's powerful hand is dealing with sin. God's powerful hand is offering love and grace. But God is at work. God is at work. We think sometimes He's dead in the sense that We don't see anything going on. We think sometimes, like the Philistines or like the Israelites, the glory is gone, and therefore, where is God? And I'm here to tell you this morning, He is alive. And He is powerful. And His mighty hand is at work. Not only in our lives, but all around this world. To reveal His glory. And that's what He's doing in this chapter 5. God's powerful hand is going to come upon mighty upon the Philistines. But he is going to reveal his glory. And I want you to see how God deals with sin. Broken hearts, hearts that that aren't in line with God. He's doing that with the Israelites. He's doing that with the Philistines. He's doing that with you and me. And I want you to see how his mighty hand, his heavy hand comes in. And that his glory is revealed in his power. Verse 1. After the Philistines had captured the ark of God, they took it from Ebenezer to Ashdod, and they carried the ark into Dagon's temple and set it beside Dagon. Now the Philistines, you've got to understand something about them. They're not kind of the, the rough and tumble thugs that we have the image of. We know of the great Philistine, Goliath. And so, a lot of times, we just capture that image. But the Philistines were high class. They were wealthy. A lot of their powerful cities were along the sea, and so they controlled all of the sea trade that was going on. They developed incredible metals, so they had weaponry that was, that was superior to all. They were the ones 
who were the high class. Israel was kind of the thugs, to be honest. But the Philistines were the enemy of Israel. And if you remember from last week, the Israelites tried to make God into a lucky charm with his ark of God, saying, let's just take our lucky charm. We won't actually ask God if we should go into battle. We're just going to do it. And we'll go fight. And even though we've been in no relationship with the Lord, we're going to somehow box God up and go into battle. And God deals with their sin, the sin of the Israelites. These chapters that we've been looking at, God is really dealing with our sin and his power, but also the fact that he's a powerful God that offers grace and offers forgiveness. But he shows us how his power is revealed. So the Philistines have have captured the ark of the covenant, and they take it to Ashdod. That was right on the sea, and it was one of the great, great uh, fortresses there. And they bring the ark, the symbol of God's presence, and they place it before Dagon in their temple. Dagon was was thought to be at times a, uh, a fish god because they were from the sea areas. But later on, as we watch the history of Dagon, it's more uh, he was a god of, of fertility, a god of grain, uh, and, and a god that they, they put on high esteem to be worshipped, a strong god of victory. This is the god that they praised and, and gave him worship when this guy, Samson, was captured. Remember that story? You think they would learn? That let us give praise to Dagon, let's bring out Samson, and they tied him up between the pillars. And Samson pulls down the pillars and the power of God and destroys the Philistines in that temple area. They didn't learn their lesson that time. And they think they have conquered God, I am. They think they have captured him. And they take, the scriptures say, the ark from Ebenezer. Ebenezer, we're going to learn later. Jackson will will talk about what took place there. But it means stone of my help. It was a place where victory took place. And the author is writing this in such a way as they took the ark of God, the, the, the symbol of God's presence, from Ebenezer, stone of my help. And the author is really laying out, I think, an image for us. The Israelites, stuck in their sin, where is my glory? And where is the stone of my help? But the scriptures tell us that God's presence was taken out of Israel and was taken into Ashdod. God took his powerful hand of protection off the Israelites. And now he's going to put his powerful hand of glory, of revealing himself, of dealing with sin, and he's going to put it upon the Philistines. God will be revealed. He will not be captured. He is not controlled. As we look at this story from a human standpoint, and you read it, and you go, God has lost. God has lost. You know what, when you look at what's going on around the world and you look at what's going on in our marriages 
and you look at the suffering and the pain, sometimes we end up at the place of God has lost. Where is the victory here in all of this suffering and pain and misery? But this passage, I hope this morning, will reveal to you that God is alive. He has not lost. When we think he's been captured, he's still powerful. And he is still I am, no matter what we believe. You see, because Israel's God is not an idol. Our God is not an idol. He does not need men to carry him about because our God is the one who carries us. Our God is the one who has our lives. Our God is the one who is in control of what is taking place in our lives and in our hearts. He has his hand upon us. Let me remind you of Isaiah 40. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare him with? As for the idol, a craftsman cast it, and a goldsmith plates it with gold. And a silversmith fashions chains of silver. And he who is too impoverished for such offerings selects a tree that does not rot, and he seeks out for himself a skillful craftsman to prepare an idol that will not totter. And God says this, Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is He who sits above the vault of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Who is it that stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in? He... It is he who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges and the earth meaningless. To whom then will you liken me that I should be his equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars. The one who leads forth their hosts by number, he calls them by name. Because of his greatness, of his might, and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. This is the God that we serve. This is the God from the beginning of time who is in control. Sometimes we feel like life is getting out of control. Sometimes when you're going, where's the glory? Sometimes you're going, God, have you lost? I hope the Spirit will speak to you this morning. No way. God is alive. And He's powerful. And He's at work in our hearts, in our hearts, and in all the hearts of mankind because of His amazing love for us. He hasn't been captured. He hasn't been captured. Philistines think they have Him. Philistines think they've won. The enemy still thinks he's won for some stupid reason but he's been defeated. Verse 3 says, The people brought the ark in, and they rose in the morning the next day, and there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon, and they put him back in his place. So, 
I mean, you've got to picture the scene. Here they've had this great victory. Here they have the ark of God, the, the symbol of God's presence. They have won. God is defeated. They're still singing their victory song in their mind. But the powerful hand of God is still at work. Picture the scene. Their God, Dagon, is fallen to the ground. The Hebrew language makes it very clear. It's in a position in the dirt, in a place of worship, literally, before the ark of God, the presence of the Lord. And humans come in, and they're like, ah, oh, we got to pick up our God, and we got to put him back in place. Let's get some extra bolts. Let's get some super glue, whatever it's going to take, but let's do this because our God, who's super powerful, we've got to pick back up. It's in worship before the presence of the Lord. Do you remember what was in the Ark of the Covenant? The Ten Commandments. Do you remember what some of those Ten Commandments said? You shall have no other gods before me. You've got to understand something about our Lord. God is in the idol destruction business. That is what He is all about. He is in the idol destruction business and He's in the saving business of our hearts. And He will destroy the idols in your life because He wants to draw your heart to Him. God broke that idol down for me when they took the Oprah show off the air. And I kept trying, and I have found some channels that do reruns. But God is still working on me. But you know, we have all kinds of idols, don't we? In this chapter, I hope that the Spirit will be reminding you, God wants to work on those things that you are putting as more valuable than Him. Your position in life, the fact that you might have some more money than others. You know one of the things I think is a big struggle for us as Christians and what becomes our idol is our image, our Christian image. That's what's most important, how I look to everybody else. And I will do all my work and that will be my focus is how I look as a Christian. And God will destroy that idol. And he will break us down. Because the reality of the Christian life is that we're broken people in need of a Savior. And that God's power is revealed in that brokenness. God is in the business of destroying idols. But the following morning, after they superglued them, they rose. And there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord again. But this time his head and his hands had been broken off. And they were lying on the threshold and only his body remained. So once again, their powerful God is on the floor. He is destroyed. They come in to worship him this time and he is absolutely cut into pieces, head is off. 
and they come in and they cry out, Daggone it! Yeah, I, just, I had to throw it out there. That's actually where that came from. I know, I'm sorry. Forgive me. <laughs> but his hands and his feet, his hands and his head are cut off. That's what they would do to kings when they were captured. It was the ultimate defeat. Headless hands that have no power. And isn't it interesting, the contrast? God's mighty hand was heavy upon the people. God's mighty hand was at work. Their powerful God, Dagon, his hands are cut off. But God's hand was upon the Philistines. This is the big theme in this section, the the repeated words. You'll see it over and over again. Again, good Bible students, one of the things we look for is when there's repetition. And this this is the statement, and God's hand was heavy upon them. His hand was kavod. It was weighty. It had power. It had strength. It revealed him. It was glorious. God was at work. And he's dealing with Israel and he's dealing with the Philistines. And that's what his work is in the hearts of men. Do you understand something? God loves the Philistines. God loves the Philistines. And you go, but yeah, but they're, they're kind of nasty people. But God is always at work on the hearts of men. Those that we consider our enemies, those that we consider morally corrupt. God loves Lady Gaga. He does. And we go, she sets the bar for morally bizarre. God is doing his work and his mighty hand is there. And they show up, head is cut off, hands are gone. God's glory is revealed. And you would think, you would think at this point, you know what? God has revealed himself and now they are going to repent. Now they're going to say, whoa, this is the God of Israel. This is the real God. And you know what this story shows? It shows the heart of men. Hard hearts, doesn't it? And you know what? Sometimes we do that to God. We, we get to a place and our hearts are hard. Before you received Christ, where was your heart? God kept coming after you with His love and grace and with His truth. But you didn't want anything to do with it. Israelite is dealing with their hard heart towards God and that they didn't want to enter in with Him. They kind of pushed Him aside, made Him into some sort of rabbit's foot. God's dealing with their hearts. Oh, that they would be like the psalmist, Psalm 32. Oh, that we would be like this. For day and night, your heavy hand was heavy upon me, and my strength was sapped as in the heat of the summer. 
And then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. God is dealing with sin. And I pray for all of us, myself included, Lord, turn my heart this way. We need to repent before God. We need to turn to Him. Because God's voice is this, to the repentant heart, I forgive you. Draw back to me. I forgive you. Now go and sin no more. He's working on our hearts. The Philistines said to God at the moment, we want nothing to do with you. We can't actually handle this glory. We can't handle you coming in our face like this. And it was unsettling to them, and there was, there was powerful hand, and, and pain was coming upon them. And when they saw what was happening, verse 7, they said, The ark of God of Israel must not stay with us because his hand is heavy on us and upon Dagon our God. And so they called the rulers together, and they said, Listen, here's what we need to do. We need to get rid of it. I don't want to deal with this God. Send it over to Gath, our other city down the road. Send it to Gath. You know, Gath was the place where the giants were, the big, the big men. And I think they're thinking, let's send it to the big guys. They'll know how to handle it. Goliath came out of Gath. Let's send it to those guys. And now the ark of God becomes a hot potato, doesn't it? We can't take it. Quick, get it over here to Gath. The guys in Gath get it, and they moved it over there, and there was an outbreak, verse 9, of tumors all over the people. Hot potato, hot potato. Now let's send it over to Ekron. We cannot deal with what God is doing. His powerful, weighty hand is upon us. You see, God is dealing with evil. God is dealing with sin. And at the same time, His glory is being revealed. Who He really is. God deals with our sin. He wants to reveal Himself to you. And one of the things I know about our Lord, He wants to reveal His grace upon you. But He doesn't want you to keep passing them off. I don't want to deal with you, God. They pass it over to Ekron, and those guys are like, are you kidding me? We're not taking this thing. There was a great panic in the city, confusion and panic. Send away, verse 11, the ark of God of Israel. Let it return to its own place so that it will not kill us and our people. There was incredible pain for those who were alive. There was a deadly confusion. And they were smitten with pain. And here's what happens. The people in Ekron have nowhere else to turn, and so they cry out to the heavens. And here's something you need to know about our Lord. He hears that cry. But one of the things that God does when he puts his heavy hand upon us is that he purges us of our pride. Pain especially purges us of our pride. And that's what he's doing with the Philistines. 
He's laying his heavy hand and he's inflicting their bodies with pain and tumors. And they're having to deal with what is going on. And they cry out to the heavens. God deals with sin. He deals with sin. And yet he still offers grace. We'll see him continue to offer it to the Israelites who wanted nothing to do with him. We'll see it offered to the Philistines. But pain purges pride. The beautiful paradox of this text is that God's humiliation, the fact that God was captured, so to speak, God's humiliation becomes His glory. Do you see that? His humiliation becomes His glory. Do you remember that of our Lord? Do you remember He's sent before Pilate? Pilate wanted nothing to do with Him. Jesus is really a hot potato when He's about to be crucified. Nobody wants to deal with Him. Pilate's wife is having incredible, incredible nightmares. Get rid of this Jesus. Don't have anything to do with Him because there has been placed upon me these nightmares about this man, this innocent man. Send him away, hot potato. Send away the ark of God. We cannot deal with it. And he's spit upon, and the crown is jammed into his head. And God, in his ultimate humiliation, is placed on the cross. And the world around thought, God lost. God lost. And in his ultimate humiliation, the power of God was manifest. And the glory of God was revealed. And the curtain tore in the temple that we could come into the presence of Almighty God, that he had victory over death, God's power was revealed, and as those beautiful women showed up in the morning, he was not there. He had risen from the dead. And in his ultimate humiliation, his power and his glory was revealed. You see, that's the God we serve. This is the God that we follow. This is the God that we give our lives to. This is the one that we put our trust in. This is our God. He's never changing. He is the same as the God who dealt with the Philistines, as the God who dealt with the Israelites, who were supposed to be light unto the world and a blessing to the peoples. But God is still going to reveal himself, even though the Israelites weren't doing their job, because that's our God. He's not toppled. He doesn't tip over. He's not carried by men. Our God created us. He created the universe. He knit Anna together. Everything beautiful about her. That's our God. And he's in the business of destroying our idols. You see, we look at all of this and we go, this is so backwards. We want the powerful hand of God to come in and to destroy and to crush. And it seems all backwards. But actually, the way that God works is the true way. It's the right way. And it always comes in brokenness. And it comes in weakness. 
you remember what the scriptures say in 2 Corinthians? It is our God who said, let light shine out of darkness. And he made his light to shine in our hearts and to give us the light of the kingdom of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we, you and me, dear saints, we have this treasure, Christ, and the power of Christ in these jars of clay, these broken bodies of ours. Why? To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. That's how God works. He wanted the Israelites to be the ones to reveal his glory. They weren't doing the job. So God just said, okay, I'm not going to stop revealing my glory because I'm a God who cares about the hearts of men. But I want to remind you, he wants us to be involved. He wants us to be involved with his life. It is I who no longer live, but Christ who's living through me. He wants us to bring about his truth. He wants his glory revealed through us and our lives. There's an amazing end of the story as we see God's heart, as we see him revealed. You know, there's always two responses to when God's glory and his heavy hand comes upon. There was a time when the Lord was, was in Israel, and he's on the Sea of Galilee, and he, he had taught many parables, and then he went to the east side where there was a man who had a demon legion. Do you remember this story? And God, with one word, cast out that demon. You see, God is in the business of crushing idols, of crushing evil, and with one word, he speaks forth. His glory is revealed. And you would think the response of the people would be, Yes, God! But what is it? They say, Go away from us, Jesus. Go away from us. You're killing our business. That's one response you can have when God is dealing with your sin and with your idols and with a life that is turned away from him. But do you remember the rest of the story of the man and Legion was cast out? And he went into all the cities of the Decapolis telling of the glory of God and what he had done for this man. God's hand is at work. God's powerful hand is heavy. And it lays heavy upon sin and it deals with our hearts and then it reveals his glory as we respond to him. There's a beautiful rest of the story of God, why in the world would you allow yourself to be taken into the camp of the Philistines? You miss the character of God, don't you? If, if, if you don't take a good look at that. For God so loved the world, even the Philistines. What a wonderful God we have. Hey, I'm going to let myself be taken in and I get to go right into the center of town. Right into the center of the city of the Philistines and all their power and I get to reveal my glory right in the middle of all that. That's the God we have. You thought it was out of control? You thought God had lost? You thought God didn't know what he was doing? I'm going to let myself be taken in the middle. And here's the 
the rest of the story. So King David committed adultery. King David was murderous. King David's son, Absalom, is coming after him. And so King David goes on the run. Second Samuel. And as he's on the run, he ends up in Kidron, where we've been, many of us, together. And as he's in Kidron, people who love David come to follow him. And they, they come into his presence, and there's a young man. His name is Etai. And Etai shows up, and he says, David, I want to follow you because I know who you are. A man after God's own heart. You have a heart like God's, and I want to be a man like God's. And he makes almost a covenant like, like Jonathan did with David. I won't leave you. And David says, no, you need to leave me. He says, I won't leave you. Etai the Gittite has with him 600 followers who also want to search after a heart like God's. And they were all from this little town called Gath, where God's presence and his power was revealed a generation earlier. You think God's out of control? You think God doesn't know what he's doing? His mighty hand and his powerful hand as he dealt with evil and sin, it broke through into some hearts. And then we see a next generation who want to follow I am, not Dagon, I am. And they give their lives over to following the Lord and to walking with King David. That's the rest of the story. I think it's a beautiful story that should put us in a place where we don't have to fear. Again, when everything around us seems upside down and inside out, and the world and, and the the powerful leaders of all that's going on. we got to know God has got his hand on those things. We don't need to be in fear of what's taking place. We need to understand, too, that God's hand is heavy sometimes upon us. Upon us. God deals with our sin. And he wants us to draw back to him. But as we repent, I know you will experience the hand of God that isn't heavy and strong upon you, but that's powerful and embraces you and lifts you in with his grace and his forgiveness. And that we live now filled by the Spirit, the power of God. That we live now in obedience to him. God's powerful hand is at work in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we, we just come to you humble this morning. You've created all. You've, you knit together each individual in this room. And Lord, you love each of us to the core. And Father, forgive us when we don't respond to your love. And, and Father, forgive us when we kick against you. Forgive us, Lord Jesus, when when we set up idols looking for other ways to find fulfillment in life. And Father, I pray this morning that you will continue to break down the idols in our lives that we, 
we somehow, for some stupid reason, want to keep setting up. And Lord, may your spirit be strong upon us and show us when we walk away from you. Father, we acknowledge you as our Lord and our Savior. We acknowledge you as God, as I am, lover of our souls. In your beautiful and precious name, amen.